This is a podcast from the Business Times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BT Mark to Market podcast. My name is Ben Paul, and I'm a senior correspondent at the Business Times. This series of podcasts, which is based on my weekly column in the Business Times, aims to provide analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Singapore. We're in the first week of February 2023, and despite major central banks around the world tightening monetary policy very rapidly over the past year, there is still a fair amount of optimism in the market. The local benchmark Straits Times Index in particular held up quite well last year, rising 4.1%. The SDI has also kicked off 2023 on a strong note, rising 4.2% so far this year. But it's not just investors who've been bullish. Many Singapore-listed companies also appear excited about their own prospects, judging from the share buyback activity in the local market. According to a report by the Singapore Exchange last month, a total of 86 companies with primary listings in Singapore repurchased more than $1.69 billion worth of their own shares in 2022. This was much higher than in 2021, when a total of 85 primary listed companies spent nearly $1.19 billion buying back their own shares. It was also higher than in 2020, when the onset of the pandemic bashed down the whole market. According to the report from SGX, 100 primary listed companies repurchased nearly $1.04 billion worth of their own shares that year. So I thought it would be a good idea to delve into the topic of share buybacks in this podcast. I'm going to talk about why companies repurchase their shares from the market and why the practice is usually considered to be a good thing for investors. I will also talk about why I've never been terribly keen on Singapore companies buying back their own shares. I will also offer some views on how the boards of companies and investors can ensure that share buybacks happen for the right reasons, which I hope will spark a wider discussion on this topic. Share buybacks are often taken as a signal from a company's board and management that its business is thriving and that its share price might be too low. Companies that repurchase their shares in the market are effectively returning cash to shareholders who want to exit. Shareholders who remain invested stand to benefit from an increased share of the company's future earnings. Returning cash to shareholders in this manner is sometimes an integral part of a company's strategy to unlock value and achieve a higher market price for its stock. For instance, the company that conducted the biggest share buyback operation last year was Keppel Corp. It spent nearly $500 million repurchasing 75.9 million shares, according to the SGX report that I mentioned earlier. Keppel said in January 2022 that it had established a $500 million share buyback program after making significant progress in its asset monetization initiative. The company said back in September 2020 that it would monetize as much as $5 billion worth of assets within three years. Keppel has since said that it is on track to exceed this target by the end of 2023. With a very well-communicated intent on Keppel's part to unlock value, its share price has been trending higher since September 2020. Just before this podcast recording, Keppel's shares were trading at $7.08. That's about 7.4% above the $6.59 it paid for the 75.9 million shares it repurchased in the market last year. Another company that has seen its share price rise after buying back its shares last year is Raffles Medical Group. 
SGX said in its report that Raffles Medical spent more than $24.3 million scooping up nearly 20.9 million shares in the market last year, paying an average price of $1.17. Just before this podcast recording, Raffles Medical was trading nearly 28% above this average price at $1.49. The story here is rather different from Keppel, though. Raffles Medical was a beneficiary of the pandemic. With its revenue and earnings in 2020 and 2021, boosted by its participation in the government's COVID-19 vaccination and PCR test programs. The share buybacks by Raffles Medical in 2022 were done during the first six months of the year, as the pandemic had waned and the market price of its shares had sagged. The last reported transaction was done on June 28, 2022, when the company bought 700,000 shares in the market between $1.12 and $1.13 per share. Only a month after that, on August 1st, 2022, the company reported very strong results. It saw a 51.3% rise in its first half 2022 earnings, on an 11.2% rise in revenue. If you look at Raffles Medical's price chart, you can see this results announcement seemed to spur a recovery in its share price that continued into 2023. Raffles Medical's earnings momentum has not waned. It went on to report a 57.3% rise in its net profit for the nine months to September 30, 2022, on a 9.6% improvement in revenue. The company will be reporting its results for 2022 on February 27th. Now, despite these examples, companies do not always correctly anticipate the best time to repurchase their shares from the market. The reason is that companies tend to have the inclination and means for share buybacks only after a period of strong financial performance, when their share prices might already be elevated and their businesses might be on the brink of a cyclical downturn. Indeed, the increased share buyback activity in the local market in 2022 came after a rebound in the Straits Times Index back to its pre-pandemic levels. With the global economy now slowing in response to tighter monetary policy, some companies have already seen their share prices fall below the levels at which they repurchased their shares last year. For instance, Singtel is currently trading 4.9% below the average price of $2.68 that it paid for the more than 12.5 million shares it repurchased in 2022. Another blue chip name, SD Engineering, is trading more than 2% below the average price of $3.78 that it paid for the 7 million shares it accumulated in the market in 2022. Wilma International is also trading nearly 3% below the average price of $4.11 it paid for the 67.6 million shares it repurchased last year. Among the growth-oriented companies, Nanofilm Technologies bought back 5.2 million shares at an average price of $2.51 last year. The stock is now trading about 46% below that average price, at about $1.36. So what can investors do to protect themselves from companies launching share buyback programs only when they have cash burning a hole in their pockets? How can companies ensure they are creating value when they repurchase their shares in the market? I'm going to talk about that next. Break down useful financial tips with money hacks from the Business Times with correspondent Howie Lim. Every first and third Monday of the month, go to bt.sg slash podcasts to download. And now, back to Mark to Market from the Business Times. 
One reason I've always been uneasy about companies in Singapore buying back their shares in the market is that none of them are upfront in explaining at what level their shares offer good value. Many of the companies I have tried to engage on this topic in the past claim they only conduct share buybacks to support their employee share schemes. The implication of this is that it's irrelevant whether their shares offer good value because the share buybacks are only being done to offset the dilutive impact of issuing shares to their top executives. But these companies can and do act opportunistically when they repurchase shares from the market, clearly suggesting that they are expressing a view on the value that the market is according to their shares. And it bothers me that they're not upfront about this with investors. As an investor, I would prefer to see companies I own focus on their operating performance rather than punting on the market price of their own stock. As I pointed out before the break, companies sometimes overestimate their own intrinsic value and misjudge the trajectory of their share prices. But they can also be tempted into buying back their shares at the wrong time. Back in March 2020, when the market swooned in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, share buyback activity in the local market soared. According to a report by SGX at the time, a total of 65 companies with primary listings in Singapore repurchased $502 million worth of their own shares during that month. The three local banks accounted for the bulk of these share buybacks. In particular, DBS spent more than $388 million that month on the repurchase of nearly 19.7 million shares at about $19.77 per share. Now, as it happened, all three banks remain profitable through the pandemic, and their share prices have since rebounded very strongly. But this was because there was a big fiscal and monetary policy response to COVID-19 around the world. Here in Singapore, the government actually tapped the country's past reserves to unleash a massive fiscal program to support the whole economy. Were the three banks counting on this fiscal response to the pandemic? Should they even have been conducting share buybacks in March 2020, given the uncertainty over exactly how bad things were going to be? In fact, the government was so concerned about what was going on at the time that in April 2020, the Monetary Authority of Singapore loosened certain capital and liquidity requirements in order for the banks to better support borrowers in the face of the turmoil. MAS specifically warned the banks not to use this release of capital buffers to pursue share buybacks, and MAS later imposed a temporary cap on dividend payouts by the banks to ensure they maintain comfortable capital buffers to sustain lending through the crisis. The way I see it, companies ought to offer their shareholders clear guidance on how they approach share buybacks and explain their thinking on under what circumstances these transactions make sense. They might find inspiration for this in the manner that Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway conducts share buybacks. Warren Buffett is, of course, a very well-known figure when it comes to managing capital, and his annual letters to Berkshire shareholders often touch on the topic of share buybacks. For instance, in his 2016 letter, he was very specific about the price at which buying back Berkshire shares would make sense. He said he was authorized to buy large amounts of Berkshire shares at 120% of the company's book value because the board had concluded that purchases at that level clearly bring an instant and material benefit to continuing shareholders. He went on to say that a 120% of book price is a significant discount to Berkshire's intrinsic value, 
a spread that is appropriate because calculations of intrinsic value can't be precise. Buffett also explained that the authorization to buy back Berkshire stock at 120% of its book value does not mean he will prop up the stock at that level. Instead, he said, if that level is reached, he will attempt to blend a desire to make meaningful purchases at a value-creating price with a related goal of not over-influencing the market. Buffett's 2016 letter also offered lots of wisdom on how companies should think about share buybacks. For instance, he pointed out that share buybacks always make sense for exiting shareholders because it's always better for a seller to have an additional buyer in the market. But for continuing shareholders, repurchases only make sense if the shares are bought at a price below intrinsic value. The fact is that whether a repurchase action is value-enhancing or value-destroying for continuing shareholders of a company is entirely dependent on the purchase price. So Buffett pointed out in his 2016 letter that it's puzzling that companies almost never refer to a price above which share repurchases will be avoided. Should companies ever not repurchase their shares when they are trading at a big discount to their intrinsic value? Buffett said in the same letter that if a company needs all its available money to protect or expand its own business operations and its uncomfortable piling on debt, then the internal need for funds should take priority. He also made the point that sometimes an acquisition or investment opportunity might offer far greater value than the company's own undervalued shares. Now, most leading companies in Singapore offer investors a lot of information about the operational and financial aspects of their businesses. But these companies tend to shy away from discussions about whether their shares are undervalued or overvalued. At best, they will refer you to an analyst report, but refuse to actually say whether they agree with the prognosis offered by that analyst. One reason for their reticence is that determining the intrinsic value of a company is not a simple matter. Warren Buffett himself concedes as much, and while he linked Berkshire's intrinsic value to its book value in his 2016 annual letter, he has explained elsewhere that the company's book value is gradually becoming a less and less relevant metric because of the nature of the assets held by the company. But the only way companies can be sure that share buybacks make sense for their continuing shareholders is if they pay less than the intrinsic value of those shares. So if the boards of these companies do not have a clear sense of what their shares are worth, they shouldn't be attempting to repurchase them from the market. In my view, if a company is unable to articulate as clearly as Warren Buffett the price at which they are prepared to repurchase their shares, investors should vote against the company's share purchase mandate when it's put forward at its AGM. For that matter, investors should probably also vote against the company's resolutions to issue new shares to ensure the company does not issue shares at too low a price. Of course, voting no might not stop these resolutions from being passed, especially as many Singapore-listed companies have a dominant shareholder. But it would send a message to the boards of these companies that they need to raise their game. Directors on the boards of Singapore companies should not remain in their positions if they feel they are not competent enough to determine the intrinsic value of their company's shares with an appropriate margin of safety. I'm senior correspondent Ben Paul, and that's it for this episode of Mark to Market. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, 
Spotify, Google Podcast or, via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.